Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again. So, it's John and Nick, and um, I guess to reiterate what we've said before, we're we're glad you're listening, but we but we wish you weren't. We wish you weren't here. Um, we wish you hadn't found this podcast. We wish you didn't feel the need to look for it. Yeah, I didn't feel the need to look for it. Um, this kind of stuff keeps keeps happening. I, we, we, one of our, some of our friends have had a coworker recently lose a baby, and so it's. I mean, it's not like we're expecting them to listen. We don't expect anybody to listen, but it's the stuff just keeps happening. Um, it, it doesn't. There isn't anybody that it doesn't touch, unfortunately, some way or another. Um, we have other friends that have a baby that they haven't lost but had a very realistic possibility of losing and but she's doing super good she's still fighting she's fighting she's strong she's a we look we log in daily to look for our princess warrior updates um, because i don't uh, that's, that's not going to sound right we 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 don't want anybody to ever lose a baby again um and it's it's good for us to log in and read about somebody that's just doing amazing and, and, and fighting and, and it gives us somewhere to direct our energy that we can pray for her send good hope and energy to her she needs it so you know we, we talk about this all the time on here that we we don't have an agenda um, don't we have a script a script we, we have talking points we have things that have came to our attention since the last one or things that remain in our attention since the last one that that don't get dealt with or don't get better. Um, specifically on that topic right now, we had a, our, our group through Rachel's Gift is now offering a couple session once a month and we joined the couple session last month and the therapist used some very dismissive terms. Um, somebody that's supposed to be an educated professional in the subject matter still fucked it up left and right to the point that people, nobody logged off, but you could see everybody just get angry and, and it and this hurt, is supposed to hurt be, maybe more than angry. Hurt. Yeah. This is supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be, it's never trigger free. It's not that, but it's supposed to be where we can all go and feel understood and feel seen. And she really dropped the ball. She, every other counselor that moderates uh, for Rachel's gift has experienced a loss through miscarriage or stillbirth or infant loss or the death of a child. Those are not the same things. There is not one overarching umbrella term. You can say child loss, but you have to know that that means a million different things because every single one of our stories is different, but the ending is the same. But don't ever, ever paint us with a broad stroke 
and say what the, the, the word that she used was miscarriage. Okay, well, a miscarriage is the loss of a pregnancy before 20 weeks. Some people do experience miscarriage, but not everybody that has lost a child had a miscarriage. After 20 weeks, we call that a stillbirth if they, if they were born not breathing. If they were born breathing and passed away shortly after that, that child was born and that is an infant loss. There are a million terms and we all hold on to that because it becomes our identity. We are parents of children that are not here with us. Respect how we got here. Respect our child's story. So for her to use that term as a broad term to describe all of our losses is extremely dismissive and disrespectful. And our friend, who is the sweetest, kindest, most loving person we've ever known, called her out on it. Not in a shitty way or in a disrespectful kind of way, but called her out. Don't do that. And to her credit, she owned it. She said, you're right. I, 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 I shouldn't have said that. I should have known. I should have done more research. And since then, she has talked with administration um, with Rachel's gift and acknowledges that she has work to do. The rest of that session, she was working really hard to find her footing and to establish a rapport with all of us. Any therapist in any realm has to establish a rapport. The first few sessions that you have with any therapist in any setting, you are getting a feel for each other. They're trying to figure out what do you need from them. You're trying to figure out, can you see me? Can you recognize what I need from you? So we're all willing to give her, you know, another shot. It wasn't a make or break. Um, if her if her reaction had been different to being called out, it might have been. But um, for now, we're all willing to come back again and and give her another chance recognizing that she has work to do and she's going to have to, I don't know, do the work, I guess, that she hasn't experienced the loss of a child. So this is unknown territory for her and she recognizes that. So we're all sympathetic to that too, but at the same time, across the board, we all say that that's some of the most hurtful things that we get is is advice or stupid comments from people who don't know what this is, who have no fucking idea what they're talking about. So for that to come from a trained professional was not It's pretty hurtful. Easy. Yeah. It's pretty hurtful, to be honest. Yeah. Very hurtful. But like we say, like after that, and she she owned it, and she she is willing to put in the work, 
and to do some research and to try to understand as best as she can, never having this experience, that we're all willing to come back because the rest of the session, she did have good points. She did, um, at the end, we were talking about how do you establish boundaries? How do you respond to somebody when they're pushing you too far or they're asking too much of you or they just keep repeating the same stupid shit? And the advice that she gave was extremely helpful. And I think probably all of us have used it since that session. So that was a good rebound for her. And we're all willing to come back and see what she has to offer from here. Because ultimately this is a peer group, but it is moderated by a professional who is there to help address some of these overarching themes to not give advice. I don't, that's not the role of a therapist, but to equip us, I guess, with skills to help us to deal with these big things that come up, that some of them are universal, some are very specific, but to give us the, the skills and the tools to be able to address those things at the time or to figure out how we're going to try to cope with these things, that's the role of a therapist. So we're all willing to come back to her and see where else she can take us. And I and I commend her for not throwing up her hands and saying, well, I blew it, so I guess I'm out. Because um, that would have been easy to do. I can't imagine walking into this group, who a lot of us have been together for a while. There's, there's some newer people too, but there's a core group of us that have been there for a while. And we are pretty protective of each other. Um, we're very protective of the new people that come in. We want to surround you with love. We want to make sure that you are understood, that you are heard, that you feel seen. Um, and more than anything, we want you to be safe and for anybody to come in and disrupt that. You're not going to get the reaction that you're hoping for. Um, the term mama bear comes up a lot. and. We are all parents. We just are parents of children that aren't here. Um, but in some ways, that parenting, that protection comes out around the members of this group who are experiencing the same things as us, that some of us that are farther down the line, we can't protect ourselves, we can't protect our children, but we will protect you. That is something that we have seen over and over and over. That I can't, I can't make you feel better. I can't even figure out how the hell I'm gonna get myself through this fucking day. But I will stand up and fight for you. Why do we do that? Because it's something that we can do. So we, we will be fierce. We will fight for you. We will, we will advocate for you um, in whatever way that we can. Yeah, the, the whole originating purpose of this podcast was to, for us to be able to talk about subjects that are directly related to the grief that we suffer from the loss of our daughter, Leah, um, in November of, of 20. 
And, and this this was just something that you know obviously really touched off. Like this is supposed to be a professional that just failed us. So where where we're trying to go with that is is we realize that a lot of you that are listening to this are, are not therapists. Probably the majority of you, if if there's one therapist, I'd be shocked. I guess, but most of you are are just people. So so where we're also going with that is we're trying to give you a little bit of grace realizing that you're not trained in this and even trained people screw it up but but you have to be willing to admit yeah backpedal is not the right word yeah you don't know know. you don't know and that your advice and whatever is not welcome i am not asked so that is a cardinal rule amongst i can't speak for every single person that has ever lost a child I can only speak for those of us that I have a close relationship with. We don't want your advice. Yep, and we don't want your pity. What we want is your ears. Yes. And your heart. To sit with us. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to have the right words. I don't need your accolades or your admonitions sometimes. Um, And I don't need more than anything your pep talk. I don't need your toxic positivity. It is bullshit. All of it is bullshit. Unless somebody asks you directly, what do I do? And you are an expert in that experience. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And and I'm going to forget the term that she used for the skill set that she taught us. It was assertive confrontation. confrontation. So essentially the point of what she did teach us was that if you're having a conversation with someone and what they're saying is not helpful and, and, and even more than that, potentially hurtful, that you can say what you're telling me right now, you can say whatever you want, but it was basically what you can say back is, what you just said to me is very hurtful and not helpful and I wish for you to not say it again. Well, and then, and and then you can that, let them- And it was like, my biggest fear is that blah, blah, blah. So is your biggest and, fear that it will impact how I can relate to you, will it impact your ability to be around them, whatever. And you just keep repeating and it. You, yeah, so you, so whatever the statement you say to them, what, 10 word statement, 100 word statement, whatever it is, whatever you say to them, you say that statement. And if, and then the person will invariably try to backpedal or, or negotiate or, or, negotiate or, or make, uh, make it like defend you, themselves. De- defend themselves and you're, and you're making a big deal of it, then you say the exact same statement to them again. And then you let them do whatever they're going to do. And if they backpedal and defend and negotiate, then you say it to them again. And you just keep saying the same sentence. You do not engage. You do not argue. You just keep telling them that what you did is not acceptable. What you did is not acceptable. What you did is not acceptable. And you keep repeating it. And generally speaking, most people will, they'll either get it or they'll quit. Either way, they don't hurt you anymore. Well, in either way, you've made yourself heard. Whether they actually hear you, if they're listening, you can't control. So that's a big thing that we have, just John and I amongst ourselves, is I cannot control someone else's perception of anything. All we can control is the message that we are expressing. So if I'm saying it the way I need it heard, I can't make you hear it. I can't make you listen. But I can 
make sure that I get it out, that I have expressed it. After that, it is up to you. And if you can't hear it, you can't absorb it, well then fuck you, move on. So, you may hear a sound here in a minute that you may or may not be expecting to hear, um, but we apologize initially for the sound quality today because we are in the truck driving down the road, but this is the first podcast that we've done in probably the last seven months that we weren't physically running. Um, running away. Running we're away. Running. Yeah, we're always running. I could I could not answer the phone or, or Nick could not talk with a doctor or a friend or whoever like we could not do anything and we'd still have weeks of stuff to do where it's always something to do in our life but this is the first time that we haven't been running away in a while um honestly over a year um but we are running towards something today and what we're running towards um well to back up the yeah, last so- <laughs> podcast we did right before the new year we had gotten a call from our adoption agency that there was a baby that had been born and he potentially at that point um, was going to need an adoptive placement. So if you listen to that podcast, we were terrified. Excited, but terrified. Yes, Um, because we didn't know what to expect. We did not know if that baby would be a temporary foster placement well, until they figured something out. And even and even more than that, a baby for us had been we we thought we said it had been trapped between hope and hypothetical. We never right. we but thought we had a while for this is call. We didn't know if this was gonna be a temporary foster placement or if this little boy was gonna be our son. So we were hopeful and excited but we were petrified because there was a chance and it was a very good chance that we were going to lose another baby in a different way but ultimately we were going to lose a baby we, we knew we were going to phoenix to meet a baby but we didn't know if we were bringing a baby home and we didn't know if we brought a baby home if the baby would be staying so not to give the ultimate spoiler, but if you hear a little bit of squeaking and squawking, it's because little man is about three foot behind us in his car seat. And we did bring him home. And he's our son. He's our son. There's still some papers to be signed, but but he's yeah. our son. Which is um, the most beautiful thing that we have experienced in over a year. It is joy it is hope it is hard it is scary it is a million things all at once and uh, we could not be more grateful (laughs) so today we're headed to phoenix again like we do every other saturday to have visits with our son's birth dad and his birth great-grandma. This has been a whirlwind 
it, I can't describe it as anything other than that. But if you ever need proof, I guess, that God is working in every situation, every single day, let me tell you how this went. <laughs> and anybody that would want to hear that story, I am more than willing to give you that testimony because I can't even begin to describe it to you in this podcast. There, the word miracle gets thrown around and becomes meaningless. There is nothing meaningless when I apply the word miracle to this situation. We were chosen of everyone. We were chosen to be this little boy's mama and daddy. We, just like we were chosen to be one, two, three, and four, and fives, mama and daddy. It is nothing short of miraculous. But in that, there is some really hard shit. A lot of stuff that we were not and are not prepared for. There are a lot of triggers. There's a lot of anxiety. Anyone that has ever had a child knows that especially in those first few months, that's all you do is worry. You obsess over everything. Did they sleep too long? Did they not sleep enough? Is their poop right? Did they pee enough times? Like, is that noise weird? Like literally every single thing you will obsess about. After you have lost a child, it is, yeah. 8 billion times more every single thing, every single day. That sounds awful and like, oh my God, that's something to be avoided. No, it is not. He is worth every single tear. He is worth every single sleepless minute. He is worth every single doom scrolling stupid Google search that I do. He is worth all of it and more. <laughs> but I want that out there, that this does not fix anything. This does not heal anything. This does not mend the hole in our heart that is shaped like Leah it absolutely does not. This little boy has created his own space in our hearts. Just like anybody who's had more than one child. You don't share the love for your first child with your second child. No. You just grow a bigger heart. You have twice as much love. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, I've, I've had some people ask. Not, not mean or not intrusive or offensive or otherwise would have asked if I if we're healing now and the answer to that is no his job is not to heal us he doesn't have a job other than to grow and be healthy and happy and, and be who he is that's his job but I stopped dying the day he came home didn't heal me. He's not going to heal me. He can't. Nothing is ever going to heal me. There's always going to be a Leah-shaped hole in my heart. It's always going to be there. 
but I stopped dying that day. And I think Nick stopped dying that day. So we've talked about this before, that grief in its base form is just love with nowhere to go. Now, I have somewhere to direct that love, that energy. Does that take any of the love and energy away from how I parent Leah? Hell no. But it does give me a different focus. But in that, there are a whole lot of growing pains. John's aunt was the one that said, well, of course it hurts. You're learning how to live again. Well, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's exactly what it is. We are trying to put together a life for our beautiful little boy because he deserves that. Will it be the same life that we were building for Leah? No, because we're not the same people that we were before we had to say goodbye to her. No, but we, we had created this safest place we could create for ourselves in the past 14 months. We did everything we could to try to stay safe, which is not realistic, but but you create these boundaries for yourself. You you close off from certain people and you definitely close off from events and from the world and from... But more than that is a lot of us, and I won't speak generally because I cannot speak for everyone. I have told all of you this a million times. I am not here to speak for you. I can only speak for me and for what my experience is. If that sounds right to you and it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, throw it away, it doesn't matter. But for us, for me, I hold on to my sadness and my grief because it is mine. There are days that I still let it have me because it's mine. It is. It feels in a way that that's how I can express my love for my daughter is by being in so much pain because she's not here. That it almost feels like a tribute to her. That I will self-flagellate, I do that all the time. That I will wallow in absolute darkness. And a lot of us, we will push away any notion that there is still light in the world. So that has been a big thing, is learning that there is still light, there is still hope, there is still joy left in the world. Accepting that is not easy. Sorry about that, y'all. We had to pause for a second. Somebody wanted a bottle. Um, you know, we... Uh, said before that we do not edit this. Um, the only thing we do is clean up the sound quality. Um, but I do occasionally have to pause. So so yeah, so to get back to what Nick was, was saying, um, you know, with, with having, I want to say his name, but I'm not going to, but it, it's very important. We've talked about this before with 
with the baby's names is to make sure you say your baby's name. So we say Leah's name. We always say Leah's name, but we've, we've done our best to try to not say other names. But with um, with little man joining the family, it there, there's things that have come up that I, I don't think they were unexpected exactly. They just, they're things that we're gonna have to do in, in this whole rejoining the world thing. We have to, we have to go to doctor's appointments. We have to meet with adoption agencies. We have to have discussions with people in the insurance. Like it's, we have to go to Walmart. It, it, there's just there's just things. And those are tasks that we have to do. But more than that, there are a lot of triggering things that we had not considered. Because, like we had told you all before, like doing the adoption paperwork was always, yeah, maybe, you know, sure. And we were told, you know, it'll take two years or three years or whatever. And, you know, so it, the message was don't get your hopes up. But for us, we didn't have any hope anyway. So, doing the adoption paperwork and other things that were required just felt like a hobby, something to occupy time. And I don't think we really allowed ourselves to think, you know, what, how is it going to be if we get a call? How is it going to be if we bring a baby home? No, we, we never let ourselves actually think it was ever going to happen. No, not at all. And certainly not this soon. So things like, what's it going to feel like when he cries and you never got to hear Leah cry? What's it going to feel like when his eyes are open and he's staring at you and Leah never opened her eyes? How is it going to feel to feed him when you never got to feed Leah? How's it going to feel when he's asleep peacefully in your arms? And it looks a lot like when Leah was in your arms. Yeah, he... Specifically, every night about 6.30 to 7 o'clock, he, he completely crashes out and relaxes, truly relaxes. And it's, it's hard. I, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Nick does the majority of the baby. I'm definitely there, and I'm definitely part of it, and I'm his dad. I'm his daddy, which I thinking about being somebody's daddy again is hard. Um, just the other night, I I think it was last Friday, maybe, or Saturday, I took him to bed and I, I went to put him down in his, in his, in his bassinet at like eight o'clock. And I sat down on the edge of the bed for a second just to, you know, in all fairness, he's in what's called a snoo, and it's a totally bougie bassinet with an app that rocks him and soothes him and stuff and helps him sleep better, which is perfect for him because he, he needs some help with that. Um, but I sat down on the edge of the bed to get my phone out to try to get the, the app working. 
and I just came apart. And Nick came over and stood with me, and she just stood with me while I sat on the edge of the bed, and we were there a while. And I'm sobbing, and Nick's sobbing, and we're, we don't even know why we're sobbing. It just, it just was like all these, all these things that we never got to do with Leah just hit like a hammer at the same time, you know. I don't know, I didn't lose my clip, I'm not wrong, am I? Um, just, but we're grateful for them. Like, I, like, I don't want to make this sound like we're not happy. Like, yeah. we're so like, happy. Oh, yeah, this is so terrible. Nobody should do it. We're, no, it is... Like everything in our life, there are two sides of it. It is everything from here will be bittersweet. But only now can we appreciate the sweet. It does not ever erase anything. bitter is never more than the sweet and the sweet is never more than the bitter. It's, we have two sides to everything. I have described my grief as a deep, dark, dimensionless place that I don't know if it's big, I don't know if it's small, I don't know if there's anything there, I don't know if it's just me, I can't feel anything there. And after months in therapy, I could start to see the pinpricks of light that were the good things that still happen, that were still happening, but I could only start to appreciate them as little tiny bits of light. When we brought this little boy home and we were told that the adoption would not be contested, and until everything is signed off on the court, nothing is finalized. But as far as anything that can come up to potentially jeopardize that, we're pretty much through the. Yeah, we we the reached woods, we guess. reached a point where there's no logical reason for him to ever leave our home. But knowing what we until know, until he's an adult. Knowing what we know, there is no safe point. There is no safe zone. It's, nothing is safe or guaranteed, so we hold on to that too, but we're trying really hard not to dwell on that, but we are starting to see that light, and I explained it to my therapist that now, with him, I feel like I can sit in the light and still appreciate the shadows because they're never gone. The grief is never gone. It doesn't abate. It doesn't become smaller. It is not less present. It is not anything different than what it has always been. I just now have experienced an expansion of that world that we live in. There is a side that is 
full of light. Some days, I choose to not acknowledge it. I sit in Leah's room and I cry. We need to talk about Leah's room. And I let it be dark because it's mine. But most days, I can sit in the light and appreciate the shadows that are all around. Being in Leah's room is something that we have not done since Leah left. We closed that door. John had been in there a couple of times. I had not been in her room since the day Leah left. When we got a call from the adoption agency, we had to gather things that were in her room. Going into her room, knowing that we are hoping for hope and could end up destroyed again if we didn't get to keep this baby was fucking awful. There is no other way to describe that. There is not a word in the English language that can describe what it feels like to grind up the last remaining pieces of your heart. So, like everything else, just fucking did it. And we put all of our faith in God that one way or another, he was going to get us through it. If it was bad or good. And we didn't have to let's clarify that I think well, we, we did have to no, we no we didn't we didn't have to go in Leah's room we could have went to the store and rebought everything that's true we didn't have to it, it just it, it to me it didn't feel fair to Leah yeah and, and it didn't feel fair to, to little man it didn't it just didn't it didn't it didn't feel right to not get the car seat, not get the stroller and diapers and wipes and things like that. It just didn't feel right to not get those because But at the same time Because we would that stuff if Leah was still here, if Leah had been here and we were in yeah, this situation, we would have used that stuff. Used that stuff. So it didn't it didn't but at the same time feel right the edges to not do it. Of that are these were the diapers that I picked out for her because they were all natural and all the silliness that I that I did. Um, but that was less hurtful than the car seat. So Leah was only in that car seat for maybe 10 minutes. Maybe. If even that. Um, because when we took her home from the hospital, knowing that she was coming home on hospice, I didn't give a fuck what anybody said or did or what their fucking opinion was or whatever. We took her out in the car seat because the hospital wouldn't discharge us unless we did. As soon as we got to the truck, took her out, she rode home, 
in my arms. Why? Because I had a limited amount of time with my baby. She was going to be in my arms or in her daddy's arms or in the arms of her brothers and sisters for every single second that we had. And that's what we did. And everybody else can be damned. I don't give a fuck. If a cop had pulled us over, they'd have had a fight. I would have been a fucking Wolverine. But putting this little guy in that car seat, when the last baby that went in that car seat didn't put up a fight, because this guy does not like his car seat. He's learning to, but... But she didn't put up a fight. She didn't... She was so tiny in it that she barely even fit. It was hard not to see her when I was looking at him in that car seat. Like so many things. But with that said, being in Leah's room, using her changing table and her rocking chair has been cathartic in a way. It is connecting this little boy to his big sister. And again, it's it's the where where we're going with this is there's there's some giant triggers in her room that will never be reused. Yeah. So the bedding we had custom made for her. I've said there was a very specific shade of pink that I always associated with her, and always, always, always flowers, especially roses. So her room was is painted in this very specific pink and her bedding is this color pink roses and it's beautiful and it took forever for it to come in it was crazy expensive john put her bed together just so we could get some pictures before she left and it has stayed in her bed her room wasn't together until she came home because her well, bedding had just came that, of it was, but, but the bedding had came that week. Like it had just came. It was still in a box. I, I didn't hadn't had a chance. So when we came home with Leah, we put it together because we didn't want to not go. We didn't want to go in her room and just have it look unfinished and and not um, ready. For not ready for her, and because we were ready for her, but. But like the, the rocking chair and the changing table and realistically probably the crib would have transferred down to her little brother. I mean But with that said, her bedding is still in her crib. Her curtains are still hung up. The decorations that I made for her are still on her walls. That has not and will not change. But we have never not. put our son in her crib. It will not. He will not touch her bedding. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And, and that's something that we have struggled with. I had to go through clothes the other day. 
because he's growing so fast. He, he's out of his newborn clothes already. So a trigger like that is just uh, for, for someone that's like us or for people that are like us, putting away newborn clothes and going to the three to six months is so fucking hard or whatever. I, but yeah. See, I don't even know what the size stuff is. I'm stupid. But, uh, amongst ourselves, what do we do with this stuff? Yeah, well, and the answer is I don't know and I'm not dealing with it right now so it goes in the closet not dealing with it yeah do we that's where all the stuff that we had for Leah to be ready for her that's where it all is what will we do with it I don't know and I'm not fucking deciding a goddamn thing right now and I don't even entertain the options I am not dealing with it and I don't have to so I'm not going to and, and we haven't decided what we're going to ultimately do for his room because well, any baby... we've decided on themes and colors, right. but what, what we don't room? know. So right now, number four is still at home, but he's planning to move out. Soon. Yeah, in the next couple months, potentially with his other brother, which, again... If you haven't experienced kids growing up and leaving the nest, it is like everything else. It is bittersweet. You're not ready. You're never ready for them to spread their wings and fly ever because it is your instinct to protect them and guide them and nurture them and provide everything for them. But at some point they become adults whatever fucking reason and they have to be able to spread their wings and fly you just have to hope that you've equipped them to get off the ground so he sees that we're excited for him and you know we're planning for him and we're gathering all the things that he's going to need to set up a household all of that is fun and it's great but we mourn for us because He's not little anymore. He's an adult now. He's going on his way. And he's very emotionally connected to himself and to the world and to us, and he sees it. And he, he but sees we try us not to, just like the three that came before him, we try not to let them see our pain in it because we want them to be excited. We want them to be confident that they can go out in the world and they can do this. That's what parents do. You equip your children to be independent of you. And that fucking sucks because I don't want them to be independent. I want them to be dependent. I want them to need me forever. But that's not realistic and that stunts them. You don't do that to your children. So for them, we're excited and we're helping them to prepare. We're, you know, just like the first three, we are. You know, pots and pans and dishes and towels and all these things that they need to set up a household and, and talking to them about how they set up, you know, accounts for utilities and all this stuff, helping them to figure out how to be adults. While on the inside, we're just sobbing. Like, no, you can't be ready. I'm not ready. But they will never see that. With number four, it's a little bit more so after losing Leah, 
And I will say that while it is not this little guy's job to heal anything, he is somewhat a buffer because if we didn't have him and number four was moving out and we didn't have Leah and we were left with an empty house and an unused nursery, I honestly don't know if I would survive that. And I mean that in the most literal sense. Because what the fuck would even be the point? Why? We would, so now... We, we for sure wouldn't be in that house anymore. We would not be able to tolerate the house. So now, when number four moves out in a couple months, we have three, quote, extra bedrooms. So we will have number four's room, we'll have the guest room, and we have Leah's room. So the question becomes then, which room becomes this little dude's room? Do we put him in number four's old room? Do we make number four's room the guest room and move this guy into the guest room? Which conveniently we call the blue room. Or do we take apart Leah's room, repaint it, and repurpose it? And if I had to make that decision today, I would say he's going in the blue guest room. Does that logistically make any sense? No. Leah's room purposely is the closest room to our room. It's right next to the bathroom. It's the smallest room. It's the perfect nursery room. But it was the perfect nursery room for her. So in that, it breaks down into a million other questions. Okay, if we don't use Leah's room, do we shut the door and that room isn't used anymore? No. Do we take everything off the walls and pack it up? What do we do? And if we use the blue room, do we buy a new crib? Do we buy a new changing table, a new rocking chair? Because I can't imagine taking her room apart. Just the thought of painting it's fucking hard enough. The thought of taking her bedding out is crippling. But the, the thought of actually taking her room apart and making it his room or or if, God forbid, we moved and make it nobody's room. I don't know. I can't even begin. We can't wrap our head around it. Here's something stupid. So the room's been shut for, essentially it was shut for 13 months because we couldn't bring ourselves to go in there. Now the cat thinks that the crib is his bed. It takes everything we have to not throw him into the ceiling fan every time I find him in the crib. Yeah, it's instant rage. Like, how dare you? How dare you? That's and the I just want to eat him, but at the same time, he's a cat and doesn't understand. Who's sleeping all the on some? It's just soft and nice and warm. Soft, it's a soft nice and place to yeah, sleep. soft and nice and warm and quiet and comfortable. And he's a cat, so. But at the same time, it pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
again, these are all things that, not that they hadn't occurred to us, but it was always like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't have figured out, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, is the refrain that we have been singing since October 29th of 2020. Something that unless we moved, we legitimately didn't have to deal with. No, and now we are being, right this minute, we do not have to make a decision. No. So we are very good at not making decisions. To just saying, I don't fucking know, throwing your hands up, walking away from it. Soon enough, though, we are going to be confronted with, he's too big for his bassinet. Now what are we going to do? We we have about three to four months in the decision. We have to make a decision. And it's not to say that we are putting it all off and not thinking about, you know, the, the, the same things that we planned for for Leah. I have a theme already picked out for his room. I have bedding picked out. I have decor picked out. I have a color picked out. Like, I have all of these things ready to go. I just don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, because he absolutely deserves his own room and his own bedding and his own decor and and things that we picked specifically for him. Yeah, just like we did with Leo. So yeah, so it, it, it's we don't we don't know. He said if we had to make the decision today, the, the decision would be the blue room. And but then it, again, it comes down to do we buy all new stuff because I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna take the changing table and and the crib and the rocker out of Leah's room and just leave her room painted pink with pictures on the wall because that's a giant slap in the face to her and that's not fair either. So we we don't we don't know. Um, yeah, let's just go with we don't know. Yeah. Um, so obviously with him, we didn't have any time to prepare. We didn't have time to prepare logistically, and obviously we were ready for Leah. So we had all of the main things, gear equipment and all that stuff. We already had all of that. But we didn't have time to think through all of these potential stumbling blocks. And in a way, I'm glad that we didn't because I can, because I know how we felt before we met him. These things would have been crippling we would have absolutely been stuck in neutral and it would have been a spiral. Oh, shut the door. Yeah. It's, you but know, for him, he deserves the same preparations, the same love and attention and care that we put into putting together. And it's it's so much more than a, a room, it's so much more than things. It's. We were ready for her. Oh my God, were we ready for her. We had waited so long for her. Not for any baby. We had waited for her. And this was us being prepared in every single way, inwardly and outwardly. This was us being prepared, ready for her. So 
this little dude, he needs that too. So I have a very specific blue picked out. His, the theme of his room will be just like this. It is wild, well, like woodland animals, I guess you'd say. Hers was woodland animals, but this very specific pink and these very specific flowers. His is this very specific blue, very specific woodland animals and mountains and stars. He needs the mountains and stars because that is who he is. Leah needed those flowers and those specific little animals because that was who she is. This is more than just a fucking room. I, 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 I can't, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know. A lot of it goes back to that we started so young having kids. We yeah, never we truly never, had a nursery for any no, of the kids. No, and we never were prepared for a baby in, in that way before a baby was born. They had nurseries, they had their rooms, but it was always after they were born. For one, because we didn't know with the first four if they were boys or girls. Uh, but for two, we didn't have money. and. The kids shared rooms a lot of the time, or we lived places that they shared a room with us. We had the basic stuff, car seats and, and you know, gender neutral clothes and diapers and bottles and all that kind of stuff, but we never got to build them a place to welcome them home to. No, I mean, number number one had her own room, but she was six months old before she had one. Yeah. Number two had his own room. Same deal. He was a couple months old before we moved, and he had his own room. And three and four never had their own. I guess four had his own room, but same deal. We were four. He was four months old before he had his own room. Three never did his three own room. Three never had his own room until number two moved out. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and he wasn't quite sure that he wanted his own room when when two moved out he wasn't he'd never been alone didn't but yeah i so you know we talk about we you know this is obviously the, the whole point of this is to talk about our grief but it's more than that it's all encompassing and it's and a lot of it is is how do we continue to honor leah and that's one of the things that we yeah, we don't I, struggle we had, with it. We had but heard it's, somewhere some quote expert said, you know, don't build a shrine to your dead child. First of all, it is offensive to me when people say you're a dead child. That's fucking disgusting. She is not here, and I do not refer to her with that word. So please don't ever say that. She is my beautiful daughter who left. She's not here with me anymore. I don't say that word. Um, and you're hearing these, quote, experts telling you what not to do or what you should do. And I finally said to my therapist, like, you know, I thought you know, I, I should take her room apart because I shouldn't have a shrine to her. And she said, why the fuck not? And she said it just like that. And it kind of took me aback. And I'm like, what? And she said, who the hell is anybody to tell you whether you can have this room or not? This is your daughter. This is her room. This is your grief. 
don't let anybody tell you what you should or shouldn't do. And I'm like, wow, oh, okay. Like it, it took the constraints off that I don't give a shit who you are or how long you've studied the subject or whatever your education is. I don't give a shit. This is me and mine and my daughter. You don't get to tell me how to do it. In that, it was very, very freeing. So do I have a shrine to my daughter that I go and worship her? No. Do I have all of her things on a bookshelf in my living room? Do I talk to her? Do I kiss her urn every morning and every night? Yeah, I do. Do I have her room still set up waiting for her? Sure do. Do I have any intention of taking any of that apart or doing anything differently? No. Does that mean that down the road, I might feel like maybe I can? I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow is, just like I don't know what 15 years from now looks like. All I can say is for right now, it is important to us that we have it there. It's a tribute to her and we're going to keep it. So if you have an opinion about it, you can go fuck yourself with it because I don't want to hear it. And I'm not trying to be aggressive, but there have been people that have made comments about, well, maybe you should this or maybe you should that. Maybe you should fuck all the way off because nobody asked you. Yeah, and so, you know, Nick talks about her grief being a box that is with pinholes of light and, and um, it's more like a deep well. Deep well, and, and now she can sit in the light sometimes. And mine is more like a maze. Is I I start to work my way through it, and I and I get I, I make some twists and turns, and I feel like I make progress, and then I I hit a dead end for a while, and I end up backing up, and sometimes I only back up. Sometimes I really don't back up any steps. I just kind of stop, and sometimes I back up steps. And lately for me, it feels like I'm still in a maze, but the walls are shorter, and I can kind of peek over them and see, not see the end, but like I can see the, the next future. Turn. Yeah, the next turn, or even see the potential future. Like you can see it out there. But... You can't fucking cheat it. You can't be like, okay, I gotta do this, 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 and this to get where I wanna be. Because that's not doing the work. That's not. Yeah, there's no fast forward. Yeah, you have. You still have to put your head down and literally drive through it and, and go forward. And it's. Well, and I think all of us feel, well, again, with the Pearl Jam lyrics, but in the immortal words of Ed Better. I want to be enlightened like I want to be told the end. I want to know where am I going and how the hell am I getting there? But that's not how this works. You have to do every single step. You have to get through it laboriously most of the time. Yeah, there's, there's no cheating. There's no shortcuts. No. And it's, you know, so again, it's like we talk about all the, the, this, our whole life is goods and bads. And it's so seeing I'm going two points with this one that watching the kids with little man has been has been fun um, so far like but no, in a bittersweet way yeah. that they were ready and willing 
to welcome him. But it was cautious because there's nothing guaranteeing that this is forever. So it took them a minute. Well, it took well, a couple of well, so a minute to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to love him with my whole heart, knowing it might not go the way we want to, but that's the that's what he needs. That's what he deserves. Yeah. And number number four was let's be honest. Number four was cheated of being a big brother. He yeah. was stolen from him. Thief in the fucking night took it from him. And he's being cautious with his own heart while being around little man because the only time he ever got to do it, it was stolen from him. And, and he's and he's really good with him. He's he's a boy, so he's not super big on wanting to hold him. But he's does he need a bottle? Does he need a diaper? Um, um, did you, you can have I his cream? Get you lunch, yeah. Mom? Can I get you lunch, mom? Can I? Did you get a drink today? <laughs> so, so he's he's being a his own little mother hen in his own way. Um, number three, who is a baby. A baby kid was sitting in the driveway waiting for us to get home. Um, day one, couldn't wait to have him. And um, well, and the no. fact that this is an adoption and it's an open adoption made the kids nervous. To them, it felt like. That we, that they could lose him, that that the birth family was a potential threat, meaning not in a gross way, but in a, they could come forward and say, no, he's ours, thanks for everything, but no, and then we lose him. Well, and, and we have a very growing relationship with birth dad and with great grandma and potentially with grandpa birth dad's dad is, is potentially we haven't we haven't had any contact with birth mom we know she's alive and uh, that's a subject for another day but but, I but, want... but but we're asking our kids to 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 accept these people and to and that's a big ask yeah like we're, they and, don't know these people they don't know what threat they might pose they don't know if they're, you know, going to usurp our roles in this little boy's life. That they're very protective, that no, we are mama and daddy, not you. That we are his brothers and sisters, not anybody else. And so it's it's a work in progress that, that they, and it's not that they're standoffish or aggressive or that they're bad-mouthing them or it's not like that it's just something that they are learning to understand and accept so that we can all make sure that this little dude knows where he came from knows everybody in his family and has a relationship with these people it's it's big and complex and not fucking easy but it is a million times worth it um, yeah, you know, and, 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 and Twos, Twos came to the house with his girlfriend several times since we got home, and, 
and they can come in and they can sit down and have dinner and we can joke around at the table and doesn't have to be the hammer. And then, and then Juan and the fiance, who is very soon going to be our daughter. She's grown, but she's just another one that's just going to be another little girl in our home. She's going to always be our little girl. Um, she's going to join our family officially here in a couple weeks. Um, they, <laughs> they're both full-blown Grandpa Bob. <laughs> they come in the home and don't even say hi. They just come in and head right to the sink to wash their hands and, and come get little man. Yeah, the words we hear all the time are, give me the child. Give me the child. Um, They're such good kids. They're all such good kids. And they're all embracing their roles as big brothers and sisters to this little guy. It, there's no... At first, nobody knew how this was going to go, and we were all scared. Since then, we have watched them open their hearts just like we have to accept him 150,000%. He is ours. We love him. We protect him. We will advocate for him. We will do whatever is required of us to make sure that he knows he is loved and safe every single day for the rest of his life. Yeah, he is absolutely their little brother and they would all go to war for him. Yeah. So yeah. But there's it's lots of changes. Yeah. Most of them good, but all of them bittersweet. Because they love Leah the same as they love this guy. They don't get to hold her and kiss her and tell her that they love her. They don't they never got to know her. So it's all very bittersweet watching them hold this guy and talking to him and I know down the road and I'm playing with him and teaching him things and the holidays are going to be excruciating but there's two edges to that if that even makes sense it's going to be debilitating but it's also going to be motivating it's a weird paradox that we live in, this dichotomy of utter devastation coupled with utter joy. The holidays for us have always been a big deal. After Leah, we said we would never ever in a hundred million years even acknowledge that Halloween was a thing. We were just going to I don't know, get fucked up and hope that the day ended at some point. Now? Would I take that away from him? No. Will it be easy? Fuck no. 
but because as parents, that's your job, you will hold the pain and you will never let them feel it. You protect your children from that. Something very profound I read in a book called Somebody Came Before You, which is about a couple that, it's a book written for kids um, whose parents had lost a child before they were born. It is not, a, it's not a requirement or a job or an expectation for a younger sibling to grieve and mourn their lost older sibling. They did not know them. That pain is not theirs. So it's not for us to put that on them or to even reflect onto them. They can see our pain. They should see our pain because they should know that this child meant so much, just like they do. Because I think it's helpful for those kids, for the kids that come after to know I would be devastated if I lost you. It solidifies the bond with you, that they are so loved that they would be mourned. They would be grieved if they were here. So they should see that, but they shouldn't have to experience that. That is our experience alone. So for him, we will buy a Halloween costume. We will go trick-or-treating. We will have fun for him on Halloween. Privately, we will talk to Leah. We will cry for Leah. We will miss Leah. Because on Halloween 2020 was the day that we were told there was no hope left in the world. There was nothing left to do but to make her comfortable and let her go. It's fucking ugly and no parent should ever, ever have to hear those words. But we did. And we will honor that. So for now, we will hold the pain and keep it as lidded as we can from him because it's not for him. He should, like any other kid, get to grow up like Halloween's fun and we go trick-or-treating and I get to pick up my costume and Halloween's a big deal for kids. It's fun. It should be fun. The same as Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was Liam's due date. That's a hard day. He shouldn't have to feel how hard it is. Same with Christmas. Same with Easter. All of these major milestones, he should not feel that they are darkened in any way through no fault of his own. So we, for him, will keep it as light as we can. Does that mean he'll never see us cry? know. Does that mean that he won't know the grief that we still have for his sister? No. Does that mean that we won't tell him about her? Fuck no. He's going to know her. He's going to know who she is in our family. She, he's going to know how important she still remains in our family. But without the heaviness 
because that is our experience and not his. The, the only thing that he has darkened for us is our room at night. Yeah, and that has not been easy. And we talked about that Nick and I had slept in the dark, in the pitch black dark, cable box in the dark, alarm clock in the dark, everything in the dark for 20 years. And when Leah came home, well, because before Leah, I couldn't sleep with, it had to be dark, cold, and silent. Couldn't, could not sleep with any kind of light or sound or anything going on in the room. Sorry, the world is conspiring against us getting to Phoenix today. This is now the fourth traffic jam. Um, yeah, we... When Leah came home, we started, we turned on the bathroom light and left the bathroom door cracked so that our room was not dark. Yeah, it wasn't dark. It wasn't light, but it wasn't dark. It was light enough to be able to see and to be able to wake up in the night and see Leah and wake up in the morning and see Leah. And not that we slept. No, yeah. Not that we really truly slept, but it was to be able to see her. And since the little man came home, because it's better for a growing baby to be in a dark room and a colder room and to help prevent any potential infant death things. And, well, it's and to help them. reduce his SIDS risk. SIDS he risk. has some things going on that make him more at risk. Um, it's also to promote um, brain healing. Um, he has some things going on that affect his central nervous system. It, so far, uh, to clarify, so far, so far he's, very minor. He's ahead of schedule with all of his milestones, and he's doing he's amazing. He's doing very well. So, but we're always very mindful that we're doing everything to the best of our ability across the board to make sure that he stays ahead of schedule, that he is still doing amazing. So part of that is sleeping in his bassinet that if you don't notice new A, you can look it up. Um, it's a bassinet that moves and has white noise um, and they're in this very kind of tight swaddle thing so that they, they can't roll over or anything like that. But um, Swaddling, again, is very good for any baby. For him specifically, it helps him to regulate his central nervous system. So he's in this swaddle, he's in this um, this bassinet that does this gentle movement that allows him to get the most restful sleep, which for his brain and his nervous system is extremely important. Part of that is keeping the room dark and quiet so that he isn't startled awake. Um, so we've made the room dark and have allowed the potential for the night to have us. I, I, Nick sleeps on the side with him and can hear him just every little twitch. He hears all of it. Um, for me, I've all of a sudden became a iPad 
person at two in the morning because I can't handle it being dark. I turn the screen way down and I leave the screen open about 45 degrees so that it illuminates my side of the bed, but it's still dark on his because as we said uh, a few of these ago, I'm a grown ass man that can't sleep in the dark anymore. Um, but it's all, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's just, that's what it is. It's as parents, sometimes the best thing for your kid is the worst thing for you. Yeah. But you do it because they're worth it. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, the kind of the last thing we have, and I thank you all for staying on. We, we usually try to keep these at an hour or less, and this one's went over. We're probably going, not probably, we're definitely positively going back to Montana here in another month and ideally spend a month up there. For us, that what that means and what that looks like is disconnecting from a lot of everything going on here. Um, it does not take all the stress away. It does not whatever it, it's no, it, literally it, just it, it makes some stuff harder it makes yeah. it makes when we come back in april i'll be buried i'll be but away from for, home more than i am now but for those few weeks that we can be up there it's going to be blissful for the most part it's going to be so it was a place that we did not have before Leah, so it is a place that I can't, I, I never imagined her being, which makes things a little bit easier. Um, She's got two pictures up there that are on the wall, though. Yes, she does, because we don't go anywhere without her. Her urn will come with us. Her candle will come her with candle us. Her candle will come with us. But it's not a place that you know, when I was pregnant and preparing for her that we imagined bringing her to. So that takes some stress off. Um, but when we go up there, we bring food with us, we bring everything with us so that we can just nest. And we did that even before we got the call from this guy. It is our place just be in whatever form that takes. So this time we're hoping that we will get up there. We're gonna bring number four and number six with us. And we're going to And, and Mr. Marcel. Yeah, of course Marcel. But we're going to just insulate ourselves as much as we can in the cabin. We're not going anywhere, we're not doing anything. Our list of responsibilities becomes way less. We are going to cook and eat and we are going to sit in our pajamas and we're going to bond with two of our sons. Four is gonna go snowboarding. God love him, that is not in my skill set. But he's gonna go have fun and be a kid 
and be 19. Enjoy yeah. it. Go meet people. Have friends. You know, do fun things. And for us, that's gonna be us letting him go and experience the world and still have fun. And with this guy, number six, we're going to sit in our pajamas and we're going to hold him. And I don't believe that you can spoil a baby, so kiss my ass. We're going to keep holding him. He's going to be asleep in our arms. He is going to enjoy being with his family undistracted. Our, our place in Montana has a double recliner that's a little bit bigger than a love seat, but smaller than a couch. And the center of it has an armrest with a couple cup holders, but we fold it up and Mr. Marcel will be laying between us. So number six will be with one of us and Marcel will be between us and, and old nanny dog won't get away from his baby too awful far. Yeah. But we're gonna take naps, eat delicious food. Oh, some homemade pasta with Joel and Watch chilies. the snow happen. Better still be snowing. Yeah. Watch the lake. Because it's 80 here and it's bullshit. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's 30 there. Um, but we're just going to chill. Isn't that a Pearl Jam moment? Lyric to just be. That I want to just be. That's what we're going to be. We're just going to be. Just breathe. Let's just be. See, we're having this just argument. You guys, hopefully, you all like us when we banter back and forth. Um. But yeah, so very, very, very much looking forward to that. To having time to just be us with no. Well, shit, having time to just breathe. Yeah. To get That's your lyrics right. I know. Um. But yeah, so we are going to take some time away from the stress and noise and chaos and good and bad. We're going to take a break from all of it here. Pause and just be for as long as we can. So if you don't hear from us, we don't you know, respond back by text or Facebook or whatever. It's not because we're mad at you. It's not because you've done anything wrong. It's literally because I'm probably taking a nap or I don't feel like dealing with that right now or whatever. We are just hitting pause. We are pausing our responsibilities to not everybody, but most people and taking some time for ourselves. We, until the we never did that. And after we lost Leah, we realized how important it is and how much we need it. And it's long overdue. Yeah, and one of the, the last thing here, one of the, one of the maybe biggest changes to my personality in particular is I was never an anxious person. I could, I mean, I could be a dick. I'm, I've got a skill set of being a dick. Um, Generally, I'm kind of, I like to think of myself as being generally easygoing. The only person I'm ever jerky to is my wife. Um, I'm generally pretty easygoing in life and fairly happy-go-lucky, but uh, 
since Leah, I became definitely have some anxious stuff. And one of the biggest things that make me anxious is traffic. So with that, I'm in a traffic jam on the south end of Phoenix with a bunch of people that I wouldn't trust to fill my dog's water bowl. Um, I can feel my hands starting to scrape together here and, and, um, and we're going to be meeting with birth dad in about an hour and, and, it, and that meeting's up. That meeting's been good. Um, yeah. it's, it's been really good. And it's definitely not stress-inducing. No, it's not stress-inducing. We're going to go meet him and we're going to have, we're going to go to a steakhouse and eat a buttload of meat and I'm not going to drive for a little while and we're just going to hopefully just be. So, and it's got hot in here and we need to turn the AC on. So, unless you got something else, we, um, we love you guys, and um, for everyone that we know that's listening, we thank you for being there for us, we thank you for being the, the soft ear and the soft heart and the soft reply. Thank you for being ready for number six when none of us could have seen this coming. Every single one of you has embraced him and loved him exactly like he needs to be. Yeah, we, we didn't give you an option on, on having another member. We just told you it was happening. And um, for those of you that don't know us, but have found us, just hang in there. I'm not going to say it gets better because that's bullshit. I'm not going to say it gets easier because that's bullshit. And your experience is going to be different ours. You do not have to be on the same trajectory. You do not have to have the same end goals. Just know you have our whole hearts because we know exactly where you are because we live there too. It is a neighborhood. It's a community that none of us want to be part of. But now that we are, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for everyone that we have found in this neighborhood. You are seen. You are loved more than you imagine you are supported just look around you we're all here yeah just just um just keep looking for pinpricks keep walking through the maze and um and that's not advice no that's just, just that's that's that, just encouragement and uh Santa, I know you're up there with mom <laughs> and, and with Grandpa Bob and, and you know, the other grandparents. And uh, I know you got a lap full of babies right now. And um, you're a very important person in my life for a lot of years, and I miss you. And um, Warrior Princess, stay strong. We love you guys.